Welcome everybody, this is Damien John and this is Massage Therapy Now. Today I have a guest that I've had before on the show. He is a practitioner, an RMT practitioner who teaches courses on Duro Neuromodulation, DNM. He has three courses coming up here in the near future and that's what we're going to speak to today. We're going to speak about the model of Duro Neuromodulation and what it is and how it affects his practice and what he's learned from it and, and all of those various good things. It's uh, Michael Riach from Delta. You're still in Delta, yeah? Yep, Ladner yeah. Delta. Yeah, Ladner Delta. And we're here today to speak to the DNM model. So, Mike, can you just give me a baseline of what it is? Because, I mean, I, I've never... Before I talked to you about it, I, I haven't been exposed to it, and I never got exposed to it in school. What is it? It's 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 a method that was composed by a, a, a physical therapist who uh, lived in Vancouver for many years. She's back in Saskatchewan where she was born now, but she's been a, a physical therapist for over 40 years, and her name is Diane Jacobs, and she just wanted to get a what she likes to call a... Um, like it's a patient centric, um, like an interactive way of treating people um, instead of kind of treating body parts or treat or giving a treatment to a person, you're, you're doing an interaction with a person. And, um, and that is kind of the, where it's, it's, a, it's going from, and it's looking at primarily t- treating pain complaints. And then there's like a whole, well, if people have pain complaints, then this is the way to, to approach that and not to try to t- treat the tissue itself but but that that person in pain and just just that's maybe a little bit different than how we're taught when we're back in school right so if you could paraphrase how you were taught in school what would that look like we're taught more that we're treating different tissues and we're trying to get the tissues to be better without really paying attention to how how the person themselves are. So it's more, I guess you could use a catchphrase that's popular now, the biopsychosocial approach or like the whole person, treat the whole person, which we did kind of touch on, but I'm not trying to change the anatomy. I'm more trying to change the physiology of the person. And we're using the anatomy to change that physiology. So it's uh, essentially, as I understand it, it's a way of both humanizing the person in front of you and working from the perspective that they are more than just a piece of meat. Exactly. Yeah. To manipulate with a technique. Okay. So given that Mm -hmm. you're working from that perspective, it's not physiologically biased. It doesn't have this huge bias towards the physiology. How much of the model then is, is physiological versus psychological slash emotional? And can you dive um, into how the technique treats those differing states? Well, we're 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 not really treating maybe the psychology or the emotion, but we're very aware that that plays a role, and we're we're aware that we can affect that. So you could look at maybe say we're we're going to be honest and say, look, there's these non-specific effects. You can kind of say sometimes placebo effects, but not not just placebo, but just being aware of how we. Um, our body language, what our room looks like, all those little contextual things and how to make sure that we're not putting our, 
ourselves behind when we're using poor uh, poor non-specific effect kind of con contexts there, um, how we talk to the person, our language, the words we use, um, our demeanor, things like that. So that that plays a role in that bio, like that psychosocial stuff, being aware that people's pain can be affected by their work environment, their life environment, their stressors, their, um, all those other things that we can't treat, but just bringing awareness to that saying, you know, okay, you've got this painful shoulder and just them, if they were going to tell us that of all this other stuff going on, just saying, look, like that will play a role and your pain will be amplified if you're also, there's a death in the family or something. Right. So right. that kind of thing you're having to, you know, you got work deadlines, things like that. And just showing the person, look, you're not broken. And, and maybe it's not just, just an injury or, you know, they come in and wake up and they're in pain and they don't know why. And like, well, let's look at other things that are going on. That that's part of it. I mean, DNM, there's a lot of manual techniques that, mm -hmm. that we teach and they're just kind of what worked for me. So we're looking at nerves in the body and trying to get the nervous system to be a bit more comfortable. Right. Because we have about 72 kilometers of nerves in our body. Yeah. And um, so that, I mean, if you've ever, say, seen someone wire a house or you know what I'm talking about when you're moving wires through through uh, anything that you're trying to you're trying to work on, that those wires get snagged around corners and they get pinched and stuff. And our, our nervous system is like that too. Right. And our nervous system ha uses about, I mean, depends on the study. I've read a few different ones with different numbers, but I think the smallest number was 20% of our blood supply, our oxygen and glucose goes to our nervous system. And some studies set up to 60% of our blood supply can go to our nervous system. Yeah. Include the brain. Um, Significant amounts. A huge amount. And if it's not getting that, they can get pretty cranky. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's helping to maximize that, that nerve feeling a bit more comfortable in the body. Right. Um, so as you've been developing what works for you, mm -hmm. what have you, what have you been finding with how your work has shifted? Has it, uh, have you delved more into techniques that are less in invasive? Have you gone deeper into tissues? What, what, what has it started to look like for you? Yeah, I found that you don't have to work as hard as I, I like when I came out of school, I was all knuckles and elbows and yep. <laughs> sometimes you got the foot on the wall and you're trying to put yep. all your weight on the person. And I found that kind of had diminishing results. And sometimes the person had a big kickback of pain the next few days. And I think having a really, a much better understanding of like what's happening in the body with, with a pain experience we can really be more efficient with our work. And I find I, I can be quite light. I can work all day and, and not be tired and the patient has better results. I can predict much better too. Like I can, I can treat someone and say, this is kind of how, what your outcome is going to be. This is how many treatments you're going to need. And that might be just experience, but I think the I'm better to at doing that with this understanding of how, how our body processes the pain experience and right and things like that uh-huh so you've based on just educating yourself and exposing yourself to a number of different people you've been finding over time that it's gotten you've, you've gotten better results with the the less foot on the wall style techniques do you still use those techniques or are you kind of 
totally veered away from them. As long as it's not causing a huge amount of discomfort, I'll, I'll use heavy pressure. I mean, some people like to have a heavy pressure, but I, as I treat people, I can, I can actually use heavier pressure later on in the treatment without causing a lot of pain and they're not squirming and sweating right. and, and having that huge kind of fight or flight response that a lot of people get. And some right. people think that we need to have that, you know, no pain, no gain, the kind of puritanical mindset. Whereas it's, I think just pain is pain. And, and in the course we talk about that too, how when we are causing discomfort and pain, the body, if it's a healthy nervous system, they're going to have kind of a, they're going to release a whole bunch of endorphins, which will short-term dampen their, their pain experience. But long-term, those endorphins get reabsorbed and the underlying nervous system is now a bit more sensitized. So that's where we get this treadmill of just having to get treated every week or every few days where the person just, oh, my pain came back. Treat me again. Treat me again. It's out. It's out. Whatever we're, our story is of something being out. I mean, that's often a, an interesting story, but I think things aren't as often out as we say. It's just we have this feeling of non-congruency in the body, and we can get that body to feel more comfortable without being so coercive to the tissue. Right. So what you just said is really interesting to me because there are a lot of techniques that work with that discomfort you're talking about, where mm-hmm. the no, no pain, no gain thing becomes kind of a priority to work with. And I've not heard it said in the, the way you, you just said it, where the, the endorphin dump is what causes the decrease in the sensation of pain, but the overall health of the body either stays the same or maybe even deteriorates. So then you do stay on the treadmill and cognitively it makes a ton of sense that that would be the case. And even intuitively, I, I, I felt that as I was working on people in some of these other deeper tissue, no pain, no gain earlier in my career kind of places. Now, if you have that opinion, what do you think of these techniques and that, that do work with those particular styles are they totally ineffective in your opinion or like what's the what's the efficacy of those and if somebody comes up to you and says well i have good results like how do you argue with them well i mean sometimes they're like they've got good results but they've been seeing the same practitioner every week for the last year and Uh uh it's like well how's that working out for you kind of the dr phil response right right i think there's certain populations where it might be you know, if there's buy-in from from you and and the patient client, then you're like, if you've got an athlete and they've got to play a, their sport or their event right after the treatment or pretty soon after the treatment, sure, let's get their their body feeling a bit more pain-free so they can do their thing. You're not gonna, you're just getting them out onto the field to play for the next hour or so. Uh-huh. But after that, I mean, you're gonna have to do other things. Either take them off out of playing for a while or treat them in the off season a bit more permanently. And usually athletes have a pretty healthy nervous system and they've got a pretty good endorphin system. I mean, a lot of athletes, especially aerobic athletes or sports that are mostly aerobic, then you're looking at a good endorphin system that will respond well to that kind of treatment. Right. I always like to talk to them about foam rolling and people will foam roll their leg, their IT bands is the most common one. And they have to, it hurts, but then they feel better and they keep foam rolling every time and they have to foam roll harder and longer. And all of a sudden it's something they have to do every day for an hour. Right. And I think that's kind of like an example of, of how we can be with our massage if we're not careful. 
Uh huh. So, do you and think ethically it's irresponsible to practice those techniques? Like, as a therapist, have you shifted your opinion? Like, I, mean, I know that's a strong opinion. I'm putting you on the spot, so <laughs> you don't have to answer that. But uh, uh, what, what do you think about that? I don't think it's necessary. I think if you're, if you say to your patient, like, look, we're going to do a treatment. It's going to hurt. Are you okay with that? And they're not, they're a bit hesitant. I think, I think that's ethically wrong. Right. Um, if they come in saying, this is what I want. And you have a conversation with them and say that you don't, it's not necessary. And they're still come back to you and say, actually, that's exactly what I want. And, and, and if you're okay within certain parameters, then, then that's, I guess, you can either say yes or no to that. Mm-hmm. At, the, at the end of the day, you've got to be comfortable and they've got to be comfortable. You've got to have that rapport. And I think if you explain a good treatment plan to them and with how many treatments they need and how, how much it's going to cost them and how long until they're back to doing what they want to do, then they usually say, okay, yeah, let's try your way. And I think they usually, they're usually okay with that. Right. Um, and then you, you want to push them on to doing active work too. They've got to do their own exercises or, or whatever that is. Um, I think, I mean, we're manual therapists, but we also were able to give exercises and, and promote people getting back to doing what they want to do. And, and I don't think manual therapy is the only way to do that or the best way to do that sometimes. But sometimes it's, it's you know, a little little catalyst of manual therapy is optimal. So it's much more nuanced than the model, just the model itself. It yeah. Has, yeah. There's all kinds of different inputs and, and things. That's a sure. great answer so that you don't hedge yourself into a corner. <laughs> 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 but I, I don't, I, I actually, I, I think that's really intelligent and thoughtful answer. And it makes sense to me what, what you're saying, putting a lot of the onus onto the patient themselves as to mm-hmm. what, feels them or what they think because again I, you're working with the nervous system you're also working with the cognitive version of it and what yeah. people feel is good for them will actually impact the outcomes as well so yeah yeah it's really nuanced if you start to think of it that way you shared with me a bunch of the various uh, models and techniques that have influenced where you're going these days and some of them are really really uh, cool and in terms of they're quite they're quite different and gentle looking so there's there's three of them that i wanted to talk about or three different ideas that i wanted Mm -hmm. you to speak to the first one being you do some courses on a neurocentric approach Uh, what what, can you explain neurocentric and 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 you probably have already but can you that specifically the neurocentric approach well the dnm course is it's usually a two-day course because that's what people want but I mean, I've got more stuff I want to share with people and I find that would help them help round out the treatments that they give. So the neurocentric is, I mean, DNM's neurocentric, but it's just other ways like DNM's very hands-on passive, whereas the, the other parts of it are more active of the, for the patient. So there's like that simple contact version, which is from a physical therapist named uh, Barrett Dorco. And uh, he's quite an intelligent physio and he, had, he has a lot of writing out there. He's got a published book and lots of essays. Um, he's very thoughtful and um, he's more about getting people to, to use authentic movement and kind of resolve their, their pain through letting their kind of non-conscious 
movement come about. And we see that with lots of different models that look very similar. And I think his, his explanation makes the most sense out of all of them. So I'm using his explanation. Um, you can you can see it in, like in fascial unwinding. Um, I don't think fascia can actually unwind where they say, but I think they're doing the same thing as simple contact. And it's kind of getting people out of that, you know, they, you have that fight, flight and freeze. Yeah. And people often get in that, that, and they're stuck there and it's kind of getting them to resolve out of that. Um, so just getting their nervous system to say, I want to move this way. And culture and society says it looks weird for me to fidget and move around to feel more comfortable. And it's just giving them their nervous system permission for a few, a few minutes to, to do that. I started, I'm always blown away by these stories from people and, and I know it's not evidence-based or anything, but they're just really, really compelling stories. And, I, I now have a TA, Jocelyn, and she's just a firecracker. Really intelligent, really, really good go-getter. Anyways, when she first took the course, she's a power lifter, and she, she'd been struggling with a lot of back pain, and I had no idea. And she, was, um, she took the course, and she said the next morning she went for a workout, and she added like 30 pounds to her deadlift. Wow. And uh, so that kind of blew away her her training team and they all started coming to her individually to do this stuff. And they, I guess they didn't like the name simple contacts. So they started to call it sway train, <laughs> which is like, I think it's kind of funny, just another name for it. Um, right. they've, and I, I guess it just gives their, their nervous system a bit more comfort and it feels like the governors can be let, let off a bit. Can you explain simple contact a little bit? Because I saw the video of it, but if a person's listening, what would it look like? It's, it's just as, I mean, it's, it's so simple. It's, it's stupid. You're just putting your hands on someone lightly and, and they're going to start to move and it, and uh, you just follow them. It's kind of like a little dance or, or, uh -huh. like, um, you know, when you watch people doing um, hands, hand martial arts with like uh, Kung Fu and, and they're kind of moving with each other and they're following where their pressures are going and stuff. Yeah. Yep, that could be another way. Um, I think people who do cranial sacral therapy, they call it motility. So they're feeling for that subtle movement in the body, and that could be it. I think it's a, I think it's a better explanation where you're feeling subtle movements in the body, and, and all of a sudden there's big movements, and it's the person's not aware of it. So what is the therapist doing then? Like, are they just allowing the person to move? Is it the giving yeah. of permission that is the important piece? That yeah, you're, you're giving them nonverbal permission to move. Uh huh. And so a person could essentially do it on their own. Yeah, for sure. Right. You see it with the musicians, especially a blind musician. You watch Stevie Wonder playing music, and he's he's moving around with the music, and that's sure. that's the same thing. And people yeah. are often you talk to musicians, and they're like, "Yeah, I had a sore back, but I'm pain free when I when I sing or something like that." Right. Um, yeah. A lot of artistic expression you you hear is the same. Saying you're you're going for the same part of the brain there. I love the way it looks. <laughs> it looks really soothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you would see a friend put their hand on, on their other friend's shoulder when they were sad or something. And mm. sometimes there's a sway that starts to happen or yeah. Sure. I yeah. think all, I think we all have it and we're just kind of beaten out of us as a kid. We're told to sit down and shut up. Right. But you see kids fidgeting and, and, and it's how their nervous system gets rid of that, that discomfort. Right. I still fidget. So <laughs> I encourage everyone to fidget. <laughs> cool. Um, okay. So that's simple contact. What about yeah. the neurodynamic work that you have had influence what you do? Yeah. And that's, that's the nerve tensing and the nerve, 
nerve, I don't know if flossing is the right word, but getting the nervous system to, to move, biasing certain nerves. So like it's, it's based off of Butler and Shacklock and their work with, with just like you're, you're adapting the like upper limb tension tests or the lower limb tension tests or, and then we go into some more like spinal, spinal movements and, and some other more peripheral nerves stuff. I think I used like De Camillus here. He's a Cairo who does end range loading. Mm-hmm. And I think he, I don't quite agree with his, his explanations, but I think a lot of his stuff is that's what he's doing. He's putting a nerve and he only does nerve tension where I think that can be a contraindication sometimes. Right. Like following Shacklock, Michael Shacklock out of Australia. And, and he says that we, we have to sometimes put a nerve into less tension and, or sometimes just get it to slide. And sometimes you do want to put tension on, but, and I cover all the criteria for that. Right. Um, with the course. So those, that's kind of that, that neurocentric. So we're taking movement. It's more movement based than the DNM, which is much less, it's more position based. Right. So your, your courses are, are kind of pulling together a bunch of information that makes sense to you and, yeah. uh, and packaging it in a slightly different fashion yeah. and speaking highly to the idea that you're treating a person versus parts of a person exactly yeah cool so as you've worked this way and i think we've touched on this a little bit already do you see flaws in our training and do we need to broaden our approaches to pain and are there better techniques that we should be incorporating in our training right out the get-go um that's that's a hard thing to answer i i mean i used to teach at wccmt um, I don't know. I don't really have my finger on the pulse for what people are teaching. And it's always been where we teach for every day, but we also teach for the board exams. So I think the, if the board exam changed, it would be easier on the students because the board exams, I think, more based on info that's come out of, you know, the 1960s. And, <laughs> I mean, like for, like, I'm, I'm very pain focused and, uh-huh. The board exam, from what I understand, and I could be wrong, is they kind of talk about the gate control theory of pain, right? which is a 1960s theory, and then we've had other models come up since then to add to that. And it's, I mean, it's a theory that, it's a model, so it's not 100% correct, but it's a good way to, to predict treatments. And we've had some good use of that to, like, we've created TEMS machines, and it's kind of explaining how certain certain treatments might work there is no actual gate but then there's other models and i talk about this in my dnm course so there's other models that have come up since and they really help explain better what's happening with people and it helps us predict outcomes and it helps understand people's pain better and i think those should be added to the curriculum right and i think some people actually do teach that at some of the the schools i mean there are some awesome instructors and all the schools it's just what foundations are they building on i think i i heard this person explain a different career but there is really well put how when people graduate from school kind of like they bought some land and they've cleared the trees off the land and they haven't even put the foundation in Mm -hmm. so they've they've now written the board exams they've got a certificate on the wall and now it's time to start putting a foundation down and then you put the walls up and then, you know, you go from there. 
and uh, takes years to kind of build your practice to kind of understand what's going on with people. Um, For sure. I don't know. I guess I, I think maybe a degree would be the way to go. I don't think it'll happen in my lifetime, but if we could have a system like be in a public school where people are taking the same courses as nurses and athletic therapists and such, and then you kind of go on to your own, your own massage therapy coursework in the second year. Right. And then maybe specialize after that and you could become a, I don't know. I'm not writing a curriculum and I don't know. <laughs> that's yeah. how I see things going. It's a little bit of a on the spot type of question. And uh, I don't want to, be hypercritical of any kinds of training. I mean, there's always improvement. It felt to me too, like when I went to school, it was a bit luck of the draw as to what teacher you got and the type yeah. of uh, training you got in whatever it was, model or technique, etc. as to quality that you would leave with. I do definitely have a bias these days towards the idea that maybe most of what we're doing is creating space of comfort for for patients and clients to to allow their nervous system like you say to to yeah come back to optimal health or or, or whatever and i'm not doing hands-on work anymore in the same way that i used to i mean i still massage my my close friends and family and stuff like that mm -hmm. but yeah i i I noticed the difference or the change in my work that's happened as I've talked to people and learned and it's become much more what you're prescribing in terms of like there's this real soft, gentle approach that earlier on I didn't have. It was all like mm -hmm. force force the pain out of the body kind of brain. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I mean, I had varying results with such things. But yeah, I, I, I think I'm excited by the the, the courses that you've, put together and the ideas and I didn't know a lot of the DNM philosophy or, or structure before we started talking but as I looked into it I thought if I was still doing continuing ed this would definitely be something mm -hmm. I, I took so if you could, could, could you explain you say you have three courses coming up are they yeah. uh, three different courses or yeah. are they okay can you di dive into them a little bit so people would know whether or not it would be something that would be in there wheelhouse to take sure um i mean i they could they could take them all there's no order to them and there's no real like certificate of like you're now a dnm level three i mean that's that's all kind of junk marketing stuff right so what i've what i've done is i just i started teaching dnm stuff because i i found it really helpful for myself and i really kind of dove into it really deep taking um Diane Jacobs courses and, and hearing her lectures and, and really trying to took me years to kind of wrap my head around it. And uh, I just thought that massage therapists need to know this stuff. So I, and I was kind of the only person I knew who was, could teach it, who's an uh, BCRMT. So I started that. And then I found I was doing all this other neurocentric stuff, which just rounded out a treatment. And I thought, that stuff needs to be out there too. And then I find with a, a two-day course, I'm going to run out of time to teach a lot of cranial nerve and pelvic floor stuff. So, and Jocelyn's really got a good mind around the pelvic. She teaches a lot of pelvic floor stuff, and she's got a lot of a lot more background there than I do. So, we've created a course together where I do the the cranium and the cranial nerves and the neck and, and all the, the complaints that people have in that area. And then and 
Jocelyn will do all the uh, pelvic floor stuff. And it's kind of like an anti-cranial sacral course, I guess. <laughs> Tongue-in-cheek, tongue in right? Yeah, sure. Um, whereas we're, we're looking at a lot of that, like, cranial sacrals, like the cranium and the sacrum, where we're looking at same areas, but we're looking at much more kind of physiology and, and nervous system right. component-wise. Um, and and the, the pelvic floor stuff that, that Jocelyn's doing is, is all outside of the, you know, it's all, it's all within our scope. Yeah, well, nothing. I mean, there are pelvic floor physios, and they need to do um, internal exams and things sure. like that. We, and we don't do that, and that's fine. And we don't, I don't think we need to. I think a lot of the, a lot of the treatments I do of the face, and a lot of the treatments that I do of the pelvis, I there's no need for that to go right. either inside the mouth or past the um, virgin labia. So yeah, anus. So you know, I and I think that's ninety five percent of all complaints can be treated that way. But I'll, I mean, in the course, I'm going to teach some oral stuff. Yeah, so that's just, it's just mopping up what's missing from the other two courses. And uh, I guess as I learn more and more material, I either try to add it to the course and change the course. And if I can't, then I'll expand into the other courses. So right. it's pretty, it's fun. So you have a DNM specific course, you have a neurocentric specific course, and then mm -hmm. you have this pelvic and sacral specific courses. I mean, uh, the sacral and cranial specific course. Yeah. 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 Okay. And all three of those are coming up in the near future. Yeah. They're coming up, coming up in the spring. And I think as people become aware of them, I get questions about going around, uh, to, to other areas and, and if it's viable, then I'll do it. I mean, it's, right much easier for us to teach here and i guess it's much easier for people who are outside of the lower mainland for us to go there and if there's enough interest we'll do it but um it's harder for us to, to get out there right so um, all those courses are in the lower mainland yeah yeah and if the person who's listening wants to sign up for them they would go to your website mm -hmm. yeah okay so mike's website we're going to put in the show notes and for those of you who are wanting to know it Right now, it's well and able. Well, W E L L A N D A B L E dot C A. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's links to the courses on there and a bunch of information about what DNM is and all sorts of yeah. things. And I believe you can email Mike. You can also mm -hmm. phone him if you have questions and yeah, get more information. I think this is pretty good baseline information for those who are interested in furthering their their know-how around around what we're speaking to the neurocentric approach the dnm stuff and i i'm i'm thrilled that you're doing it i think it's a a cool set of data plus model plus technique filtered in a way mike's a clever man uh, i believe <laughs> i believe that uh uh, I haven't taken his course, but I believe that if you took his course, you, you wouldn't be disappointed. And also, all of them seem to be sold out. I've, I've looked at, have you been selling out the courses? Is that true? Yeah, most, I mean, most courses have been pretty high sellers. Last year, I actually had to cancel a course. It just, I think it was just timing and everything. And I was, uh -huh. I'm not very good at marketing. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. um, that's not my strength. I uh, maybe need, and I'm not, I, I, I try, I'm trying to be pretty authentic here with people and I'm not trying to sell or hard sell to people. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I should have someone help me there or not, but I'm just trying I, to get knowledge out there and I'm pretty passionate about that. 
and it's more to me, it's about getting the patients good treatments. Um, well, that's a highly ethical endorsement in my, <laughs> in my opinion. So that's great. If you have any, any questions for Mike, uh, yeah, send them his way. We'll include a bunch of links in the show notes. Is there anything before we end today, Mike, that you'd like to hit on that we didn't hit on as it relates to this set of information? No, I think we covered it pretty well. I mean, there's lots of information out there and people always have questions. I'm getting an email probably every day, every other day from people right now uh-huh. or, um, or if people are instant messaging me or something on Facebook and I'm happy to answer those. So yeah, I'm pretty approachable and uh, I'm happy to help people out with, with information. Sweet. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you, Mike, for taking the time. We had a real interesting beginning to getting, you know, getting the recording done today. There's all sorts of technology is a thing, people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much, Mike. Uh, appreciate it. And we will talk again soon, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Any questions, you can contact me uh, via the, the information in the show notes, and we will catch you again next time. So, everyone, have a wonderful day, and I will talk at you again soon.